Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs episode number 15. I am one of your hosts Duncan McLeish and unfortunately I'm not joined by my co-host the ghoulish Graham Humphrey. Um, Truth be told, uh, Graham let me know this week that he's unable to continue doing the podcast with me. Um, There's various different factors. It's not as if I've had any bust up or fallout or anything. The split was amicable. Graham's got a lot on his plate at the moment and is currently trying to set up his works visa to go and work in Canada. He's dedicating a lot of time towards that. So he's not really got the time to watch the films as much as I do. Um, and obviously w- with that in mind he knew himself that it would have a detrimental impact on the show so he didn't want to really um, kind of hinder me with doing a lot of legwork and delaying things off and it's not fair to you the listener um, so with that in mind he basically said that you know probably now would be a good time before we start any of the bigger retrospectives we had planned coming up but now would be a good time to kind of split with the podcast like I say no malice, um, love the guy to bits, he's still my friend, he will be coming back on the podcast uh, to guest on future editions, look forward to having him back and like I say, wish him all the best in getting his uh, works visa set up and getting a chance to go out and travel because I know that's where his heart lies at the moment. With that in mind, uh, <laughs> I have decided to continue doing the podcast under the stairs as a solo podcast at the moment, I'm not ruling out any future permanent host on the show, but what I've decided to do is I've got quite a lot of friends now in the, the kind of wider podcast fraternity that have um, already said that they'd be quite happy to come on and guest host. So there'll be a revolving door of guest hosts coming up. Um, obviously, we'll still be running Baz v Horror, uh, which will be happening on this show tonight. Baz v Horror 4 uh, will appear on this show tonight. I'd obviously plan to do a film review as well as that, but just kind of with the, the whole Graham thing in mind, um, it just didn't seem practical and it didn't seem right for me just to kind of gloss over it straight away and just start reviewing films myself. So uh, the plan is going forward that, like I say, uh, we'll have different podcasters coming on, we'll have various different themes we're doing. I still intend on doing the top 10 best horror remakes versus top 10 worst horror remakes and obviously we'll still be running Baz v Horror. Um, and we'll see how things go for the time being but like I say, everything's great and if you all get a chance when you hear this to wish all the best to Graham on the Facebook page I know for a fact that he would greatly appreciate it So, what's happening on episode number 15? Well, episode number 15 is solely a Baz v Horror episode It's Baz v Horror episode number 4 where we gave Baz his first challenge um, selected by our listeners we chose the subject of body horror. The four choices were Reanimator, Slither, Excision, and Video Drone. And our very, very wise listeners, that's right, you guys, uh, selected Video Drone. So earlier on in the week, I got a chance to sit down with Baz and chat to him about the film and see what he made of it. And we will be including that um, coming up very shortly. What I will be doing though um, is launching the next phase of Paz V Horror, which is a slightly more interactive version of it. So what we're going to do is I will announce at the end of this podcast what the next subgenre of horror is. I'll be posting it on the Facebook page and um, I'll put up the, the subgenre. 
you guys get a week to vote on what films should be included in that subgenre. Then we'll put all those film suggestions into a poll and then you guys will get to vote on them in the second week. And in a fortnight's time, we should have the next selection for Basby Horror 5. So I've I've already told him that he should expect some quite mean responses um, because the, the next subgenre is a bit of a doozy. Um, and I think he's quite looking forward to it, I think. He wasn't really shaking any shoes, but it might be after he's watched one of your suggestions. So what we're going to do just now is we're just going to cut out. We're going to come back with Baz V Horror episode number four. And I will speak to you all very soon, right after this. I am joined by uh, a very special guest, and no stranger to the podcast Under the Stairs. It is a man, the myth, the legend, the Baz. How are you doing, sir? Howdy, y'all, southern sexy bitches. <laughs> I got be big man. I'm doing, I'm doing really good. I'm really excited about this because this, this Baz v Horror, you know, episode number four, uh, has been a, a listener's choice. Yeah, um, we we yeah. threw out some uh, threw out some options for them four options. Unfortunately, um, I didn't really clarify things, so many more options got flung in towards the end. Yeah, shit got out of control really quick, man. <laughs> it turned dark very <laughs> fast, um, but we managed to get it back on track. And um, moving forward, I've already said uh, on uh, the the last podcast that moving forward. What we're going to do, and this is even this is going to traumatise you even more. Um, what, what we're going to do is, I'm going to pick a subgenre. I'm going to give the the listeners a week to suggest films from that subgenre. Then we're going to take those films and then put it to a public vote for yeah. a week, and whatever comes out of that. Now, I've been I've been kind of generous with certain things with you, Baz. I can't guarantee the listeners will be though. I can see a lot of really bad ones, like Gil from Gil and Roscoe's. Uh, Bedacious Horror Podcast was like, I can't believe your body horror list doesn't have Tetsuo on it. Um, and Tetsuo is a fucking head fuck of a film. And I was like, ah, I don't know if Baz would speak to me after watching Tetsuo. And he was like, ah, just strap him into a chair, <laughs> ply his eyes open like a clockwork <laughs> orange and make him watch the trilogy. And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure Baz never talked to me again yeah, yeah. at the end of that. There's but some sick fucking people listening to this <laughs> podcast, don't I'm not going to lie, man. Anyway, we're barely talking after the Poughkeepsie tapes fiasco. Let's fucking baby steps, man. So what we'll do is um, probably probably at the end of this podcast, you won't be, you won't be there to hear it, <laughs> but um, I will announce what the next 
subgenre for Baz V Horror is, and then we'll get it up on the page and get people starting to to put forward their film suggestions and we'll take it forward. And I'm going to be honest with you, Baz, the next one's going to be rough. Bring it on! <laughs> right, that's it's recorded this time. It's recorded. I'm sampling that. Right, I'm sampling it. <laughs> so, so, uh, what have you been um, watching since the last time I spoke to you? Oh, since the last time, um, I'm trying to think, it was the last time was pre-Christmas, wasn't it? We've not done one of these since... Oh, we've not done a Baz V Horror since Christmas, but yeah. we did have you on on the first show of the year to do Tucker and Dale. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. You just bought um, Troll Hunter um, at the time. That's right, so... which I watched. I don't know if I'd watched it at that point. You hadn't? No, no. Troll Hunter now. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. It's really good, thought, isn't it? Ah, it was brilliant, man. It was good fun. Bits that were actually quite scary with a huge sense of just ridiculousness about the whole thing as well <laughs> yeah. but done in a really fun way yes definitely you got, got to love it but when the first troll appeared you don't realise just how cartoony they're going to look <laughs> like oh my fucking god but it, you know with me particularly I would normally go like shite off <laughs> but I stuck with Troll Hunter and I did I thoroughly enjoyed it I've got to say um, but uh, coming on from that, um, there was a, a number of trailers, um, you know, these fucking ones that you can't skip through and all that on yes, DVDs? Yeah. Um, and one of which was for a film called Monsters. Yes, yes, the is, Gareth Evans film. That's the very one. A kind of, well, not post-apocalyptic, but post-alien incident type thing. Um, and I thought the, the trailer looked fucking brilliant. Um, so with my big Baz V Horror boss on, I flew straight onto Amazon, ordered myself a wee copy of that, uh-huh. um, and that duly arrived, and I sat down, me and my wife and my daughter watched it, because when it arrived, I saw that it was actually a 12. Yes, um, it is, yeah. So I thought, right, it can't be that scary, there's not anything inappropriate for the wee one, she's 11 anyway, she can handle a 12, she watches The Walking Dead, you know? Yeah. Um, and we watched that, um, thoroughly enjoyed it. It's thoroughly a enjoyed really it. good it's film. It's a brilliant film. I don't think... My daughter didn't really get it. She wanted like the aliens to become Fred. She expects an ending, and there's yeah. not really an ending yeah. to it. Um, and and the traditional kind of child sense of an ending, you know. Yes. And she's like, "Well, what happens? You know, do, do, are they friends with the aliens?" And obviously, the two aliens mate at the end. Yes. And I said, "Well, no, they were just showing the aliens playing <laughs> to show that they're nice." <laughs> oh, which was awkward, but I think we got by it. Um, but that was a brilliant film. Great, uh, the, the two main actors in it were, were brilliant. Uh, the and it's all about the interactions between them. But more of a supporting cast than something like the Battery. Yes, when yes. It, when it's really just the two guys. I mean, there are other folk involved in this. Some of the cinematography was fucking amazing. And I never, I'm no big into films. I don't notice things like that. Mm. But some of it was just stunning. Some of the crashed. Uh, you know, it wrecked boats and crashed planes. Some of that was just fucking really grabbed me. So I thoroughly enjoyed that film. Uh, yeah. Really, really enjoyed that. That was a nice wee find, I've got to say. And Gareth Evans is obviously, he's obviously gone on to bigger and better things, in fact, so much so that um, he has probably one of the biggest blockbusters coming out this year in the Godzilla reboot. All right, all that's him that's that. directing it. So that's what's kind of got me really interested in it because I really enjoyed what he did with monsters, um, uh-huh. which was done on a—it's not a big budget film, and it's yeah, surprising what you can do that. with that. 
it's like the battery though. It looks lovely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. There's a there's a lot of love in that. Money spent on it than the fucking battery had spent on it, but they're both lovely looking films considering their tiny budgets. You know. Yeah, what I mean? yeah. yeah. So what else have you been watching? Um, horror wise, uh, the other thing has been American Horror sh- uh, Story Coven. Oh, Coven. Um, I'm about six or seven episodes in. I'm not going to lie, big man. I am not digging it. You not? Yeah, I'm. I'm really not. It, it's not as scary, but you and I have talked about this in the past, and we both agree it's not as scary as either of the first two. No, I don't. Uh, th- I don't necessarily think it is, but I think. Uh, right, no, you tell me what you think gra- first. It's just not grabbing me the way the other two did either. Um, like the other two are very different. The, the first uh, one I found genuinely very scary. The mm-hmm. second one was. More- oh my! This is fucking mental. This thing. You know how they coming up with this, but both caught me and like fucking sucked me in. And I'm just not getting that with this. Right. The, the Kathy Bates character, early on, I liked the stuff in the very first episode when you saw her with the, the slaves in the attic and what she was doing to them. That was really, that was the one kind of, oh Christ, kind of moment I had. But then her character, the change in her character. Yes. It's almost, a, not instantaneous, but very quickly. You know, obviously she doesn't like the black girl because she's black. And then she's pals with her. And she's trying to help them all. I don't know. I'm, I'm I just can't, obviously like, can I, I can't really empathise with any of them either. I can't really tell you where it goes, but that character does pay off. So. All right, right. Well, I'm going to stick with it anyway. I'm certainly going to stick with it, but just compared to the other two, I'm just not getting it as much. Mm. I, I, really, I really like. I've I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think the thing for me has been that. Um, I see. We, I, I thought the first season wasn't necessarily scary, but I thought it was weird. Mm. Um, it was a very highly sexualized, very strange television program, yeah. and the the guy that's behind it's a guy called Ryan Murphy, and Ryan Murphy came from a television show called Nip Tuck. Oh yeah, the the plastic surgeon. Thing. Yeah, well, that was his show. So he came right. off that to do American Horror Story. So. Um, when I when I watch American Horror Story, that first season, uh, Hell House or Horror House or whatever they call it, um, it's to me watching that I see a lot of various kind of nip tuck sort of nods, um, in terms of the, the kind of over the top kind of sexual content and all the rest. Um, gimps aside, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's, it's kind of it was it felt to me quite a and I mean to an extent it should have been but it was quite a claustrophobic feeling show because a lot of it took place just in the house yeah and in the attic and under the floorboards yeah yeah eh? which is i mean that's a classic kind of horror trope you know the haunted house um Mm -hmm. sort of thing the second season asylum um is to me that was i think they'd seen what they could do in the previous show what they could get away with and they just I think they just wanted to stretch out even further. So the content, you know, with the spoiler alert, anyone listen here, um, with aliens, Nazi experiments, um, you know, the, the kind of idea of being sent in a set in a mental institute and a serial killer and all Shock these treatments and all yeah. these kind of things. Uh... I mean, they're pushing each element. There's, there's, you know, at one point they're talking about sterilization and you know, That's right? Yeah, really, yeah. really. F- Fucking pretty full on elements, and I mean, you even have Ian McShane playing a killer Santa, which to me, I, I, I was smiling from ear to ear when that happened. I was like, "Yes, 
I Finally, all about that. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> fucking like thing like that. So to me, what they've done with Coven is uh, instead of the, my big problem with um, Asylum was that it was just a wee bit too scatty, and the the kind of story of Bloody Face, which was supposed to be the thing that ran through it, yeah, wasn't always was overly prominent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you could have like maybe two episodes with little or no mention of Bloody Face, and I'm like, well, yeah. he's what ties the the you know the future date up. Ah, the two time periods, that's right. Pretty much. So what I've liked more about Coven is Coven, I feel, is more story-driven. So what we have is we have the the, the kind of mythology of we have the Salem witch hunts happened. Yeah. You know, they they, they, they did happen, uh, but they didn't eradicate the witches. All the witches did was move to New Orleans. Um, And, of course, you've got the whole voodoo practice thing there. And I love the idea of the fact that, you know, uh, witches are basically white women who were taught magic off, you know, voodoo priestesses. Um, yeah. I, I really, really like that idea. So there's a kind of almost like a war going on between, you know, uh, the practitioners of voodoo and the, you know, practitioners of witchcraft. And when you throw other things into the mix and, and there's so much more story still to come in that that you've not reached yet. And I'll be interested to see what you think later on because there's a couple of big twists that are All going right. to happen. And yep. I mean, I'm one episode from the end now. And, um, and some of the points you've mentioned, I can see where you're going with them, um, but they, for me, they pay off in the long run. And I think just the level of uh, acting has just been better. I, I mean, I, re- I think Kathy, I love Kathy, Kathy Bates in this. Um, Angela Bassett as uh, the, the voodoo priestess has been brilliant. Jessica yeah. Lang for me is just phenomenal. Every season, she's just phenomenal. <laughs> she is, uh, she's, she's a total just... bitch. Oh God, aye, nails it, man, nails yeah. it. You can't see anybody else doing that kind of character in this. I mean, yeah, tailor made for her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it is. I mean, and, and it was the thing I, w- I was on Devour recently, and we were talking about the show. And obviously, the big thing is that um, she's doing season four, but she said season four's her last season. She's right. not going to go beyond that. Um, big loss, man. Big it is, loss. It's a huge loss. And what we started doing was speculating about who could fill the boots, and a lot of names were getting flung around. And Bo was mentioning he thinks that because the show's no longer a shitty little genre show, it's been getting Emmys and awards, it's been getting quite a lot, and um, Jessica Lang's received fucking shitloads of awards for mm-hmm. that show, that, you know, Hollywood might be turning its attention, the fact that there's more horror films coming out now, yeah. uh, you know, there's more horror television shows and all the rest, so he was throwing names like, you know, wouldn't it be cool to see something like a Michelle Pfeiffer in it, and I was like, fuck yeah, yeah get, get Michelle Pfeiffer involved, and, and then I'd said that I would quite like to see Nicole Kidman, in it because I recently watched a film called Stoker, which I'm going to need to give you, and I thought she was amazing in it. And I, I don't really rate her as an actress, but she mm-hmm. played kind of distant bitch mother like I'd not seen in a while. And I was like, she should be in this program. And then we started firing into names of potential because so far it's been me, the it's been kind of main kind of female cast members since the, in the last two seasons, basically. The mm-hmm. first one, it was obviously it was the psychiatrist that was the main character. You could argue he was the main character, um, yeah. and it's been it's been different since then. That you know they might go down the road when Jessica Lange leaves it. They might bring in kind of a, a, an actor, a main actor, veteran actor, and there's fucking shitloads of names in the genre that can go in for that as well. But season four is set in the 1950s. Um, right. they've, they've released a press statement it's set in the 1950s and um, all uh, Ryan Murphy would say is Jessica Lang's already started practising her German accent so fuck knows what that means I can't oh, wait, right. can't fucking wait but yeah I think it pays off I, I'd be interested when you get past what their mid-season finale was 
Um, when you get past that episode, I think things pick up in pace. Um, yeah, sure. And yeah. uh, the, but they th- they still throw. There's a fucking shitload of things they've flung in that show. That's been. I mean, they've tackled like they've went straight on full frontal with, with the racism thing. Um, yeah. You know, they've they've looked at kind of ritual torture. Um, they've oh man, the fucking, you know, they've done Frankenstein, they've done, <laughs> you know, um, and have you had the backstory about the Frankenstein character yet? Has he, is, has he been back no. home? Right, no. see when you see that, there's a, a horrific thing that comes out in that oh, as well, Baz. Are you talking about the bit with his mother? Yeah. yeah oh God, I, I have seen that bit, so, I, that I mean, was and they just, fucking weird. They just throw that into the show, that's what I love about American Horses, they just throw it in as if, you know, this is just a plot device, here we go, yeah, deal with I it. Didn't, that bit, that was a kind of jaw-dropping kind of, oh, what the fuck is that all about type yeah. moment, do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I am aware of that bit. So yeah. it'll, be interesting to see, it'll be interesting to see when you get, um, like I say, past the, the halfway point with that show, um, kind of kind of what you think of it. I, yeah. can, I can see where you're coming from. I mean, compared to the previous two seasons, this one's been a bit more of a slow burn. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, definitely, definitely. I will have faith, brother. I will yeah, have yeah. Faith. I will keep powering through. It's one of those shows that I just, I think, I, I give American Horror Story the benefit of the doubt any day of the week because I just think they've already delivered so much really cool content and they're pushing boundaries. You know, they're, they're not just regurgitating the same season each time, they just go completely in a different direction. And yeah, I, I love that about the second season because yeah. at the end of the first one, I'm like that, right. If they have a second season of this, it'll be, it'll be ridiculous. They can't possibly carry this story on yeah. without it just getting... And then, of course, they didn't. They just had a lot of the same actors and actresses, completely different. No same characters. You know, just brand new story. Loved that. I, was, yeah. I thought that was a great idea. Um, and, that, you know, they've done it again. The, the sound of this fourth one that you're talking about sounds really interesting. Yeah. I, do like a, I do like a wee Nazi in the yeah. films. And if that's where this is heading, Duncan, that's got me, sir. <laughs> so so have, you, have, you, have you seen anything else? Um, that, that's been most of the horror stuff. I recently, very recently there, signed up to Netflix in the UK. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to... I've been having a flick through and I've marked a few films for follow-up and stuff like that. Well, me and my wife have been... We were latecomers to Breaking Bad. Um, we'd only seen the first two seasons. I'd bought my wife them in box set. Oh, yeah. So we've, we've, that's all there. So obviously we're ploughing into that at the moment. So I've not really explored about but I'm looking to have a look in that. And as I say, I have been browsing through the horror stuff and there's a few there that I'm familiar with through you. Yes. Like that. All right, I need to catch up on these ones. So I've marked a few of them and I will speak about them. When I, you know, when I've watched them and stuff like that, seen another couple of films um, over Christmas and that. The Angel Shared, great Scottish movie, loved that. Ken Loach, uh, yeah, great, yeah, great film, brilliant, some great acting in it. Um, and I watched uh, my sister-in-law and her uh, man bought me one for my birthday there, a wee late birthday present. Um, film called Good Vibrations. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a fantastic. I've not film, seen man. it, but I, I I am very much aware that it was Mark Kermode's film of the year last year. Yeah, and it doesn't surprise me. I I don't think I'd ever heard of it. Obviously, I'm very familiar with the story because it's about Terry Hooley who yeah. opens up Good Vibrations Record Shop in the worst road in Belfast at the worst period in its sectarian history, kind of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it goes on to basically create the Northern Irish punk scene. 
I'm very familiar with that story, but I didn't know about this film. Yeah. Um, the film's, it's just brilliant. The guy that plays Terry Hooley is just a fucking joy to watch. <laughs> He's just this gormless, happy wee guy. It's just played <laughs> brilliantly, man. There's a couple, Dylan Moran's in it, who I'm a big fan of. I love books. Dylan Moran. It's hilarious. Unfortunately, he's not in it as much as I would like. I would have loved him to be and he's, he's a kind of supporting character, but not one of the main ones. Yeah. That was my only disappointment, I think, that he wasn't in it a wee bit more. But just a brilliant film. Absolutely brilliant film. Excellent. Um, the ending, it's all lump in the throat kind of stuff. I get lumps in my throat at the weird kind of things. <laughs> the, the end of cool runnings. Oh, yeah, can't, yeah. Can't go with that, you know what I mean? But, you know, somebody fucking died, somebody dying and leaving their children. Nah, I can don't bat an eyelid about that. Yeah. But weird things at the end and a good vibrations. I need to give you a line of it and you can watch. Um, you'll know what I mean at the end. Phenomenal. Yeah. That was a great movie. Oh, excellent, excellent, man. So that's been me, uh, with the exception of very obviously the film we're about to talk about. Yeah. So um, the voting went up and uh, even even excluding the, the other names that come up because we're in danger of almost having a situation where one of the suggested titles, which wasn't on the original <laughs> list, was going to be the one uh, which was going to be the winner outright, which we couldn't use. And obviously I started messaging people back telling them, I totally agree with you. I think, you know, The Fly and The Thing are must-see films, but I'm going to be reviewing them at a later time, so I don't want to review them twice. So um, it kind of sorted itself out, but the unanimous winner was uh, David Cronenberg's film Videodrome. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a very short break, the trailer's going to play, and we're going to come back, and we're going to discuss the film, and we will be right back after this. And that was the trailer for Videodrome. Right, so I'll give you some information about this. The film came out in 1983. Um, it was directed by the absolutely phenomenal David Cronenberg. He also wrote the film. Um, it stars James Wood as Max Wren, Sonia Smits as Bianca Oblivion, Deborah Harry as Nikki Brand, Peter Dvorsky as uh, Harlan, Leslie Carson as Barry Convex or... Les Carson, Jack Crayley as Brian Oblivion, which is just the fucking coolest name ever, uh, <laughs> Lynn, Lynn Gorman as Masha, uh, Julie Canner as Bridie, Rainer Schwartz as Moses, David Bolt as Raphael, and uh, Henry Gomez as Broly. Um, the synopsis of the film is a sleazy cable TV producer, uh, sorry, a sleazy cable TV programmer begins to see his life and the future of media spinning out of control in a very unusual fashion when he acquires a new kind of programming for his station. So, this, like we obviously said at the, the, the outset of this one, this is a body horror film. So this is you kind of getting a, a taste of the body horror, uh, which we found that you didn't know was a genre that existed. That's right, yeah. Um, and one of the names that's basically synonymous with body horror is the mighty David Cronenberg. Now, it will, I'll just chat quickly about him and then we'll, we'll get into this film. David Cronenberg is pretty much known as the man behind... He is the body horror man, right? Most of his films tackle kind of sex and kind of strange body kind of... 
twisty, horrible, gooey <laughs> sort of things. Um, but he, he's essentially he's a he is a Canadian director, and um, I think arguably one of the more interesting directors. And I mean, he moved away. He, he started moving away from horror and started moving to other things. And there is a chance that you may have seen other films that he has directed out with horror. Um, a history of violence. I don't know if you ever saw that one. Uh, yeah, with Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh-huh. a David Cronenberg film, uh, oh, and, right. and Eastern Promises, which was his follow up to it, which was no, uh, I've no seen, I've no, that's I've well no, worth no. a watch. Uh, it's Viggo Mortensen kind of going undercover into the Russian mafia, right. uh, based in London. Fucking brilliant film. But you know, he went on to do those sort of things. But I mean, his his big films, um, kind of in the horror genre anyway, are The Fly, Dead Ringers. He did Scanners, um, The Brood, and uh, one that I mentioned, uh, which was Shivers, which is the one I always get confused with. I say Shivers when I mean Slither. Slither, uh, which yeah. is one of the other films that were going on. It's funny because when you watch Slither, Slither is heavily influenced by David Cronenberg, like yeah. heavily, heavily, but in a more comedic way. So mm-hmm. he's, he's one of these directors I think is just fucking brilliant. Um, it was funny when I was checking about an IMDb. This is this is where you get this is where you get an idea of why me have this kind of the body horror thing stuck with him. He's known as the king of venereal horror and the baron of blood, right? Because <laughs> he's just he's just got this thing right. He's got off he's got off par. So, um, Videodrome, nineteen eighty three, um, and you sat down to watch it, and I was following your tweets. And they, yep. were, they were very animated. And obviously, before you go into your big thing um, about taking us through the film, there was one thing that came out of this, and I, I kind of said this right at the start when it was mentioned. This film has lost a bit of its horror impact because it came out in 83. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it is very heavy sci-fi. There is horror elements there, but it sways kind of very, very comfortably into sci-fi as well. So, I, I mean, I did not think that this film would necessarily scare you. Yeah. I may be wrong, but um, if you would like to talk us through what you made a video drone. I will do. Uh, right, as you say, um, when when I was on the show the last time and, and it was revealed that we were going to be doing this body horror, like I say, I'd never even heard of the genre. So I didn't really know what to expect. You and Graham kind of explained it to me. All right, I kind of get the idea, but the idea I had in my head was really the fly. Yes. Right? You know, guy does something and something happens to his body. You know, obviously there, there's a change in him kind of thing. Um, and I don't... Oh, sorry, I'm going to forget. I'll come on to something in a wee minute. Um, <laughs> with, with Videodrome, when that one was picked, now it's not the one I wanted to do. Um, I'd actually voted on a different one. But Videodrome, as you say, very quickly became the kind of favourite out of the original four that we were voting on. Um, and it is the type of film that I envisaged us doing yeah. on Baz V Horror. Because like I've said a number of times, I grew up in the 80s mm-hmm. um, and can remember all of these video nasties and stuff, but never had, I'd never seen them. And my idea was, well, I wonder what it's like for somebody going and watching one of those films now who's never seen them you know, in, t- in 2013, 2014 kind of thing. Yeah. And th- this is really, I think, the first one that we've done like that. All of the other films that we've done have been fairly modern. Yes. Um, so I was like, all right, here we go, right, this is an 80s film. So now we do get to 
see, right, this probably freaked a lot of people out at the time. Let's see how I cope with it. Yeah. Now, kind of thing, you know. Um, it, as I started watching it, I will say one thing. I didn't think I was going to enjoy this film. I, I, I really wasn't looking forward to it. I, I just, and I don't mean I was frightened about it. Other ones I have been. I wasn't, I just thought, nah, I'm not going to enjoy this. It sounds a bit weird. Nah, it's not for me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had in my head very much a kind of sci-fi setting. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which is not it's set in, well, set in the 1980s, obviously, when it was filmed, but you know, it's set in a normal real-world environment. Things get a bit strange, but it's not set in a kind of futuristic uh, you know, venue or anything like that. And for some reason, I had that in my head. Yeah. That that's what it was going to be. That was partly putting me off. I don't know if I had like a kind of Blade Runner-y type thing. Yeah, on. and I know you're not a big fan of that film. Yeah. Which blows my mind because oh, I fucking fuck. love that film. Yeah, I know. it doesn't make sense, Dylan. <laughs> We've spoken about this before. It, it's chronically flawed. Anyway, moving on. I also was expecting it to be a bit kind of David Lynchy. And oh, yeah. There would just be a lot of nonsensical nonsense thrown in just to make it weird. Yeah. I, I quite like some David Lynch. I've got some of his stuff. Not all of it, but some of it. But there is an awful lot, right, well, you're just doing that to be weird. There's no hidden meaning yeah, in I'm, that I'm a big guy f- eating his shoe there. It's yeah. just to be fucking weird. <laughs> I'm a, also a big Lynch fan, so... Yeah. So I think that those couple of things, I think, and coupled with the fact that, you know, it it was very obvious it was a strange film, Videodrome. I think all of this had sort of gone together. I thought, nah, I'm not going to enjoy this. And I did go into it with a very kind of negative uh, view, if you like. I wasn't holding too much hope for it. Yeah. But I've got to say, that changed um, quite quickly. It became apparent a lot of the weirdness doesn't kick in until later on. The first part of it is a relatively straightforward, quite interesting story. Uh-huh. And that there's nothing too weird about it. There's nothing too futuristic about it. And I very quickly began to realise that I'm actually quite enjoying this. This is quite a good film. Awesome. And I'm also not very good with older films. Uh, you know, like the sort of lack of realism and things like that. And nah, I'm knowing uh, ones that I saw maybe when I was younger. I get the nostalgia thing attracts me to them. But if it's films I've not seen, you're like, uh, nah, this is this is just stupid kind of thing, you know. And I wasn't getting that with this. Mm-hmm. I was following it. Um, so Plot-wise, obviously, uh, James Wood's character uh, sort of runs this um, very sleazy cable channel that basically shows porn and sort of acts of extreme violence and stuff. It sort of caters to everybody's basic instincts, if you yeah. like. And he's pretty much reviled in public for doing this. You know, he doesn't see he's doing anything wrong. A lot of folk don't like him for it. But... Uh, the, the very sort of early parts of it, he's looking at photographs and films and stuff, you know, to see if it's something that he wants to be showing. Um, and then it, it, through a friend that he's got who tries to sort of capture pirate satellite signals, they come across short clips of very realistic-looking torture. Yeah. And he immediately becomes very kind of interested in this. You know, this is the kind of thing that we're looking for. Because some of the other kind of soft porn stuff is like, nah, nobody's going to watch it. It's boring. There's nothing happening. And he focuses very quickly on the extreme elements of these little clips that he's seen, you know. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the first things that I actually noted down, um, that for its age, that this sort of sexual brutality 
mm-hmm. and, and you know the kind of uh, brutality being an arousing it was quite ahead of its time this thing oh it's you heavily see that ahead of quite its time quite a lot now yeah do you know what i mean but i'm going to say you know this was fucking 30 years ago yeah that's you know seeing that then i'll be fucking 10 when this came out do you know what i mean <laughs> and like oh god this is weird you know what i mean so that was it really did seem to be ahead of its time and things like that um he begins to uh, james wood's character begins to sort of obsess about tracking this show down mm-hmm. which eventually does in between times he has met debbie harry's character she's like in a radio agony aunt psychiatrist type thing very sexualized character um and she and him engage in this kind of sexual relationship kind of fairly briefly in the film but she's into very extreme acts like being hurt and being cut during sex and stuff like that which he is initially a bit creeped out by but you can see him getting drawn into it almost against his will yeah and that kind of runs in parallel with it's a building obsession over these kind of horrible video clips that he's seen through a sort of chain of events anyway he tracks eventually manages to track down not just the 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 show itself which is called videodrome i should have mentioned which is where the film takes its name from mm-hmm. the show is called videodrome um he, he then meets the people that are behind it and this is when it starts to get strange and that this television show the first thing that you're made aware of is that it's actually there are signals in the show itself mm-hmm. that cause people to develop tumors yeah in their brain these tumors then caused them to hallucinate very badly. Um, and I'm like, oh, all right, well, that's a fucking strange kind of, you know, concept. This, the, the, the television show is the enemy. That's really fucking bizarre. It's like the monster. Yes. As, as it goes on further, though, it gets even more strange because it <laughs> then becomes apparent that the clips that you're seeing are recordings of people's hallucinations. Yes. And then it just goes batshit crazy. Big James Wood <laughs> grows what appears to be a stomach vagina. <laughs> and he is then controlled by people that are sort of pulling the strings behind the scenes by inserting videotapes that pulse into his stomach vagina. He grows a big, massive, mad gun hand. Yes. It's great. And this is obviously... Because at first I'm going, where's the fucking body horror on this? I was like, is it because Debbie Harry likes to be cut and pierced and stuff? <laughs> no, no, no. It's because he grows a stomach vagina and a gun hand. <laughs> and that was pretty fucking mental, I've got to say. Now, I will say, there are bits of the film that I'm still not quite sure what was happening in. Mm-hmm. It, is, it does become very surreal and kind of David Lynch-like yeah. in its later parts. But not ridiculously so. Um, well, I've seen films in the past, and like, at the end of it, I don't even know what that was about. Mm-hmm. And I fucking hate that. You do get the story behind Videodrome. Um, it sort of leads up to the end. He's then controlled, and there's this concept of the new flesh comes in. But you don't, or I didn't, I found it quite hard to tell what he was hallucinating, what was real, what yeah. was kind of subliminally been sent to him. At the end of it, he shoots a couple of folk with his big manky gun hand. Um, and then, and my favourite bit was he then just fucks off doing this abandoned clearing <laughs> and he climbs into this wee, like, derelict boat. Yeah. 
And then Debbie Harry starts talking to me about a, a fucking television, and I, I had a right fucking chuckle about that. I'll be honest, I was like, "That's just so fucking surreal." <laughs> um, there, there was a couple of bits in it that I was like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" I mean, considering its age, I thought some of the effects weren't bad and held up quite well, considering yep. it was thirty years ago. The the old stomach vage been one of them at, at points was like that all right you, you know it's fake but yeah. well, it's kind of creepy and odd looking the bit at the end where he takes out essentially the guy behind videodrome yes he, he shoots him on stage the guy's making a presentation and he shoots him and his body kind of corrupts almost for the inside out yes that was bad that was right up there with the guy melting at the end of indiana jones <laughs> do you know what i mean <laughs> that wasn't great but also um Prior to that, he is sent by the baddies, if you like, to kill his own partners in the kind of porn channel. Yes. And he walks into the room, shoots the two of them with his manky gun fist. <laughs> and then, you know, people hear the shooting, or they hear the second shooting, they didn't hear the first one. Right? They, they let the other guy talk for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, he then shoots the second guy. Then everybody hears the gunshots and run in. Big James, he would. Sticks the manky gun fist inside his jacket, bends over. Are you okay? Oh, let's get you out of here. Yeah. Right, there's two guys dead of gunshots. The one guy that's still alive is hiding his right hand. <laughs> Don't you think you would go like that if you just fucking shot him? <laughs> I, I struggled. I struggled to look past that, I've got to say. Yeah. Um, I did have a bit of a chuckle. I was like, for fuck's sake, somebody would have gone like that. Oh, homie, hold on. Suspect number one, just you stand there for a minute. And what's wrong with your hand? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Why does it look like a gun in a blamange? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So that was a couple of the things that I wasn't that struck on. Um, there was a couple of interesting themes and concepts in it, which I picked up on, which is unusual for me, because I'm oh, normally, yeah. you know, pretty much, let's see the good guy kill the bad guy. We're all happy, a couple of laughs, you know. Uh -huh. um, one was this concept of people living on after death as television. Yes. It starts off with the one guy who appears to be behind Videodrome initially, um, and it turns out he died a number of months ago from his tumour, but had amassed such a collection of uh, videos of himself talking that his daughter was essentially able to kid onto the world he was still alive. Yes. Just by splicing together little parts of this. Um, that also seems to be then, um, at the very end, Debbie Harry's saying pretty much the same thing to James Woods in the wee deserted boat. Yeah. You know, she's saying that there's you need to let go of the the flesh and, and you know and, and come come to the next level if you like, which to me at that point, because she's talking about a television like she's talking about living on as television. Yes. So that that was really interesting. Um I was quite pleased I picked up on that. I felt quite clever. <laughs> um and the other one, which uh, I didn't get to much later and I thought it was I was thinking of at the time the 83, I'd have been 10. This is the time I can remember some of the kids in my primary school class getting video recorders at home. Yes. And people started watching films because up to that, up to then you had three, maybe four channels. And if a film was on, you would watch it, but you didn't have films at your fingertips. The first time that ever became a reality was video rental stores. Yeah. And it would be round about 1983 when this was made. So that, to me, was the height of the video explosion. Mm -hmm. My family didn't get one until much later. My parents have always been kind of late adopters with anything. Um, but I remember kids in my class having them and going to their house to watch like, Battlestar Galactica and things like that, you know? And what I found interesting was this, obviously, this film was made at the height of that 
video explosion. Video was ruling the world, and video was the bad guy in it. Yeah, and I liked that. I thought mm-hmm. that's quite cool because it, it it was more than just that television program. It was almost like videos and this ability to record and show it back and everything. That's the bad guy. That's who's going to kill everybody here, essentially. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I thought that was quite clever as well. I did like that. Um, so that's it. Uh, really, that was my thoughts on Videodrome. Um, I won't give them a big reveal until we do the bit at the end. Yeah. Um, I will say I did enjoy this film. I Excellent. didn't expect to, but I did. I don't know how much I'll go back to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... I certainly didn't. I thought I would actively dislike it, and I thought I was, to be honest, probably going to struggle to get through it, and I didn't. I found myself quite captivated by it. Um, I liked the weirdness was a level a level that I could cope with without wanting just to turn off and put my foot through the telly kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Um, So yeah, definitely a film that I enjoyed, and I didn't expect to. Yeah, no, that's that's excellent. Obviously, I just want to ask you just off the bat: Had you ever heard of the term? Uh, or the, the, the phrase, long lived the new flesh. No. Ever. So that was the first time you've heard it? Yes. Ah, right, because it's one of these ones that I knew of that phrase well before seeing this film. Oh, um, oh God. Oh, I'd never heard it before. Just, just in, um, I mean, the I, I think I saw this film 2002, possibly. Um, and I used to be obsessed with, for a while I went through this big, huge Fear Factory phase. And on one of their bonus tracks or one of their songs, the, the song kicks off with Long Live the New Flesh. And I also, it was the coolest lyric ever. And I was like, I wish I could write lyrics like that. And then I found that it was from the film. And I was like, you bastards. bastards you eh? thieving bastards. Yeah, aye. So, yeah, I mean, this film, like you, you've touched on pretty much a lot of what I'm going to say. Um, is heavily ahead of its time. Um I mean, you you obviously picked up on the fact that I mean it's taken a look at things like violence on television, how this violence um, is viewed by an audience and can to an extent manipulate an audience. And when you take into account that, um, I mean, this predates the internet by a thirteen years. 13, 14 years, it predates the actual invention of the internet, right? Yeah, and um, commercially, yeah. nearly 20 kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and you think about the, the fact that people today can go on YouTube and see Saddam Hussein be hung, and people check that out on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, you can tie this back to Videodrome. What they're basically saying in this is, I mean, the Max Rain character says that, you know, that, you know, he wants this, this kind of, what they eventually find out is TV snuff. He mm. wants this because, you know, people will watch this. And, yeah. I mean, it's an appalling thought, especially even in 83, that people would want to see people be tortured. Mm-hmm. See, but then you think about how big films like Hostel and Saw are, which yeah. that whole torture porn thing comes out for a fact that people like seeing very nasty shit done to people in film. See, the one film that did come into my head a couple of times when I was watching it. It was a film I saw a number of years ago, and I wouldn't even say it was a horror film. It's a film called Series 7, The Contenders. Oh, yeah, I love that film. It's I, an amazing I it. film. I've got it on DVD, yeah. It's like reality television. Yep. And the game is it's basically last person standing. It's like an adult version of The Hunger Games. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and I've always said, I, I can, uh, I've said to a few people, and I only kind of mean it half-jokingly, I genuinely think before I die... There will be a television programme where somebody may get killed 
yeah, as part of the show. I think I think you're you know? I think you're totally right, and I, I I mean that's a that's a really good example of that. I mean, what Videodrome predicts um, is that there will be reality television. Because, I mean, you have uh, Debbie Harry's character saying when she sees Videodrome, says that she wants to be on a, that show because she thinks yeah. she's made for that show. So That's it's almost right. almost predicting. It's like things like Big Brother. You have people applying to be on Big Brother because they see themselves as being interesting enough to be on a television programme for other people to yeah. watch. So yeah. it's, predi- it's predicting that well ahead of its time, you know, that people will tune in to watch people humiliate themselves i mean we've got uh-huh. we've got reality television programs like uh, the the jungle program Aye, celebrity, celebrity yeah, that's right, yeah yeah where you're watching like the, the meat crocodile testicles and shit like that completely you know humiliating themselves on television for the sake of entertainment mm-hmm. so i mean it predicts all this you know I mean, this is how smart this film is i mean yeah, it, i mean i hadn't picked up on that but you're at you're bang on yeah um, it's, it's so like i mean so far i mean 83 you know, I just I would have been two, right? So um, I think the so you you've got that going on there. You've got the 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 kind of the kind of some kind of plot thing going on here with um, you know the, the Debbie Harry character, you know, and she's quite into being hot and all the rest, and you know she wants to go onto the television program, and you've got Max saying, "No, I don't want you go on that show," and he's being quite protective of her, albeit he is the one that's doing, you know, he's cutting her during sex and all the rest. Yeah. So you know, you know, I, you know, there's a strange kind of almost like a dichotomy there between what he's saying that she should be doing and what he's actually doing. Um, you, you've obviously you, the the kind of the technological sort of aspect of you know virtual reality, which you think about it now. There's there's a, about to be in the next year and a bit, we're going to have things like Google Glass, which is going to be everywhere, um, and uh, the the Oculus thing, which is basically like a virtual reality headset, right. and they show something very very similar to the design you see nowadays in Videodrome. Yeah, but the thing that records the hallucinations yeah. when they put it on his head, yeah, yeah. That looks yeah. like how we imagine um, when you see people talking about virtual reality, um, and it was copied in films like The Lawnmower Man and things like that much later on. Mm-hmm. That's what it always comes back to, and I believe Videodrome was one of the first films to do that. Yeah. So once yeah. again, well ahead of its Way time. Way ahead of its time, well yeah, ahead. Totally. So, I mean, there's a lot of kind of sadomasochism in the film and how, you know, people get off on that sort of thing. Um, how media and technology can manipulate people. How I love I love the line where um, uh, the, the Max character, J, uh, James Woods, he's in the studio and he's been interviewed and the woman basically says, your show, your television station puts out softcore porn and violence. And he his defence is that if we're showing it on television so people can watch them not doing it on the streets. Mm-hmm. Ah, which is a right, which yeah. is a strange, strange concept because you see how like America reacts now to like high school shootings where they basically say, No, it's television that does that, it's violent television programmes and it's violent ah. computer games and it's it's violent music, um that cause all these things. Um where you and, can, yeah, and, and, the, and the first time that started to happen would have been round about 83 that was when your uh, video nasties and that yeah, came yeah, out. yeah. and they were the first ones that folk are going oh, this is going to corrupt our kids watching yes. this you know you had the PMRC attacking all the heavy metal bands and that's stuff that's right yeah and I that mean, was all around about that time as well it's all coming at censorship that's yeah. kind of the idea of censorship you know we know what's best for for people uh-huh. 
you know, uh, not not for the individual, but we know what's best for for people. So there's all this, um, you know, going through the, the the thing as well. Obviously, at its heart, it is a body horror film, and you've you've touched on the aspects of the the vagina belly, um, <laughs> and uh, the, the 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 really I love that sequence where the gun starts to not the end sequence where his hand looks like it's been crushed by something, um, and a gun's molded into it. But when the, the actual metal rods start to oh, go, oh, when they into, come out the gun and into his oh, wrist and stuff like that. Cool. Yeah, that was, that was quite cool, yeah. Cool the the manky gun fist is shit. Yeah, yeah, I bet shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you also commented, and I, I, I totally agree, not, not maybe necessarily the first time he gets a vagina belly and he puts a gun in, you know, it's, it's clearly a fake, but when the guy first puts the video in and his back's against the door, that's almost seamless. Uh-huh. It's very, very difficult to see how they did that. And obviously uh-huh. what they've got is they must have James Wood, they must have a cutout in the door and him yeah. coming through it to do it, but you can't see it. Aye, oh, it fucking blows my mind. I mean, that's 83 and they're doing that. Yeah, yeah there's, uh, it hasn't particularly aged well, but I think the, the beauty of this film is while it hasn't aged well, the subject matter is more relevant today than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it such a, a cool film. I, I would say that David Cronenberg always focuses on specific aspects. I mean, the best horror films do. They focus on things that are important or worry people. So um, that's why you find the classic examples of, like Dawn of the Dead, for example, as a zombie film based around the fact that people were into mass consumerism. So that's why it mostly takes place in a shopping mall. And the the zombies are arriving at the shopping mall. Why are they arriving there? Because it's just habit. That's what they do. People go to shopping malls because they are sheep. You know, all these sort of things. I I love that aspect. And um, Cronenberg always, in his best films anyway, has got a he manages to tap into that where it's, you know, venereal diseases or, you know, um, during like things when AIDS is kicking off and, uh, you know, our, our technology and how technology will move forward and how it will change us as individuals. And that's what I quite like about it. So it's, it, for the most part, it's a very highbrow, very densely packed narrative sort of examination. Mm-hmm. But it just so happens to be in a goofy sort of body horror film. Yeah, um, yeah. And it is, it's, it's kind of polar, you know, that they, they shouldn't go, but for whatever reason, they work. Um, now, like, when I saw it for the first time, it had no horror impact on me at all. Didn't, like, scare me or freak me out, but I was just mesmerised by it. I'm a huge sci-fi fan anyway. Yeah. Um, but to watch this, I was just like, this is so fucking... And you you picked up on this really good point that you're never... Re- towards the end especially, he's had that many hallucinations. You never really know... What is real and what is not? I mean, yeah. he, he, um, and his hallucination, he is whipping a television with the woman, one of his agents, um, is in the television, he's whipping her. When he wakes up in his bed, her body is bound and she's dead there. And then he gets out of his bed, he has a conversation with, with someone, and when he turns around, there's no one in his bed. Yeah. Um. So we're constantly put on with what exactly has happened, and towards the end, it becomes. A, I mean, I always thought that it reminds me of like when you watch. Have you ever seen American Psycho? With with uh, Christian yeah. Bale. Have you ever seen I did it? actually years ago to the point. It been around about the time it came out, and I can I can remember very little about it to be honest. There the are sequences in that where, um, and this is how I relate this back to what you're saying. Um. He is on the run, he has a gun in his hand and the police pull up um, and he shoots 
a police officer with a gun and then he shoots the car and the car explodes. One shot and the car explodes and he looks in the, the gun as if to say, you know, what have I just shot there? And yeah. we later, well, we're led to believe later on that it's his imagination that's caused this. Oh, and um, that's why the police don't catch him and that's how he gets away and all the rest. And you were mentioning about the thing that he goes in and kills his two partners and then he just walks out as if nothing's happened. Yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily know if that does actually happen or if that's just in his mind. And that's uh-huh. why he just manages to walk out because that's uh, a surreal sequence. That's, that's how I take away from it. I mean, it, it might it might be a far clearer. I, I dare say there'll be many different opinions. And that's the cool thing about this film is you can look down many different avenues and find whole narratives in this, yeah. in this story to go with. But that's just what I took away from it. It is a horrendous scene, though. I agree. You know, his hands hiding away and they just escort him out as if, you know. Uh, are you okay? Let's get you out of here. Yeah, yeah. Hold on a wee second. Hey. <laughs> exactly. Just take a wee second to think of it. What's just happened? <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. But, um, yeah, I, like I say, I, I, I love this film and, um, I mean, if you liked this, that, that uh, you will have seen this film, you've liked it, you've seen History of Violence and you've liked it and you've seen The Fly and if memory serves, you said you like that, might make me think that you might actually want to try and check out some, money, some more of Cronenberg's yeah, work. I mean, A History of Violence, I thoroughly enjoyed, but to the point, I didn't even know that was him. Yes. Um, as I was watching Videodrome, the fly did come to mind. Uh, you know, you can tell they're made by the same person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I quite enjoyed the fly. There was bits that kind of creep me out. But the only film, when you told me his name, the only film that actually popped into my head, and I've not seen it, is the one, uh, is it Crash? Yeah, the one where the people... Ride each other after car crashes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds fucking mental. Yeah. That was the only one I could think about. I've not actually seen that, so I couldn't tell you what's in it kind of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's, I mean, that was that was a, a big, big level of uh, controversy about that film, for obvious reasons. I think reasons. that's how I'm aware <coughs> of it, because it was, it was all over the news and stuff. Yeah. I think, was that the early 90s or something? Like early to mid-90s I crash? think it was, it was closer to the mid-90s, but yeah, yeah. The, but uh, once again, that's a that's a statement on on people who thrill-seek, yeah. basically, um, and looking at, you know, a, a subculture of, of humans that, that deliberately put themselves in danger for the excitement of it and get off on it. Um, and that's what I quite like about Cron- Cronenberg, for the most part, always has something to say with his films. Um, there might be goofy blood and all the rest in the background, um, but yeah, I mean, if you liked if you liked that film, I would highly recommend. It's of a similar era. Scanners, Scanners is a fucking brilliant film, um, and I, I would recommend you check that out. And the last time I did take a look at that, it was up in full on YouTube. So oh, no, you should maybe take a look at that. But um, Safe to say you enjoyed it, but I think I, did, I, yes. I know what the answer to this is before I even <laughs> ask you. In the immortal pantheon, the 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 war, <laughs> the, the, the 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 you know everlasting saga of Baz v Horror, who won Baz or the Horror? Baz won. Baz won this one. I kind of yeah, thought that. Definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I did feel uncomfortable at bits, and but. I mean, I wasn't scared, but you've said yourself it's not necessary. I, I would, I know you were saying you view it more as a sci-fi. I would wouldn't necessarily say that. I think I, for me, I would still view it as a horror film. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, I mean, just it's just not a particularly scary one. Yeah. It's, it's more strange and kind of off-putting. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I could handle it no bother. So Baz definitely won. 
Definitely, that's that's very cool. So, uh, I so believe, what's the scores and the doors done? Uh, if memory serves, Baz, I believe that puts uh, uh, two to Baz and no, sorry, uh, it will be I uh, two to Baz and two to Horror. That's right, two each. Two each, um, and I'll, I'll obviously at the end of this one be announcing uh, the next genre pick, but it's not going to be a pleasant one. Um, and I, I, I know for a fact that our listeners are going to be quite cruel with this one um, because I've mentioned it in the past and um, there was about three films chucked out when I mentioned it in the past and all three of them are quite unpleasant so uh, so we'll wait and see what comes back with that but kill, um, kill, yeah kill. Uh, that was that was, that was was good so I, I'm, I'm really glad that you enjoyed it because um, yeah, definitely, definitely. Videos, but I would recommend I, I still recommend that you check out um you should watch Excision. Is on Netflix, mm-hmm. um, but that's uh, you, you, your wee girl can't be anywhere near that film. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it is a pretty unpleasant watch. And I'd like to see what you come back with that. But well, yeah. I've got to. Before we go any further, I've got a wee surprise for you, big man. You've got a wee surprise for me. I do. Oh. I do. Prepare to have your mind blown, sir. <laughs> go for it. Because obviously there was, there was four videos that we voted on. Um, the proper vote was, was on four videos um, of which Videodrome won and I watched it I watched a second one you watched a second one from the list I watched Excision you watched Excision <laughs> <laughs> amazing watch you watched I, Excision yeah I noticed it straight away when I got my Netflix at the weekend it was um, it was one of the, the kind of, I thought right I'm going to go and check out horror. my wife and I had watched uh, some of the TV shows that were like Breaking Bad and stuff like that and yeah, then she yeah. got well, let's have a, I'll have a browse about and see what there is and I'll, I'll add some stuff into my list kind of thing, you know. Duncan says there's a good horror section, I'll go check out the horror. And there, it was quite near the start. It's only recently come over, that's why. Uh, that, that's fucking... That's one of the ones. Of, and I went away onto your, the, the Teapot's uh, Facebook page to yeah. check out. It is. Fuck, it is. So I added it to my list and I thought, do you know what? It'd be quite good fun, actually. I watched that. I watched it. <laughs> Because the, thing, the reason I did it, excision was the one I voted for in the poll. You did, you did not. And I actually, that I mean, it was the one that was uh, was was polarizing between myself and Graham, and that uh, I hold excision in very, very, very high regard. And Graham found it just boring. He just thought it was a very boring film, which uh-huh. blows my mind. I don't understand how. I, I, it might not be the, the fastest paced film, but there's a lot going on in that film. Um, so, hit me with it, hit me with it, come on. Um, well, I basically, so I watched it and I watched it before Videodrome because uh, obviously I like to do the film that we're discussing, I like to do as near as I can two hour recordings so that it's all fresh in my head. Yes. Um, so, I'd actually watched Excision uh, yesterday. Um, and interestingly enough, as I'm saying, Videodrome, I didn't fancy, I didn't think I was going to enjoy mm-hmm. Excision. From what very little I read, and it was literally like a two sentence. This is what this film's about. Yeah, appealed to me, and I thought I, I quite fancy that. And it was they were both completely the other way around. <laughs> did you not enjoy it? I didn't. Oh, no. I, I found it. Well, I'm maybe doing it a disservice. It it was just the weirdest film. <laughs> and is. fucking <clears throat> nothing. Well, not nothing seemed to happen, but. Very little seemed to happen. There was v- very little horror or anything in it. It just, it was all quite odd. Rather yeah. strange, it was odd. 
Apart and then oh, the last. Oh, the endings. The endings are fucking kicking the balls. Horrifying. Yeah, it's a kicking the balls. And it was like, and not even you. You realise what's happening. Um, obviously, very quick synopsis: young girl, teenager, obsessed with blood. Uh, wants to become a surgeon that uh, has no academic skills whatsoever. She just has this obsession with bodies and blood and stuff like that. <clears throat> very strange parents, a horrible domineering overbearing mother, a very kind of lackluster bit of a wet blanket kind of dad, and a wee sister who has cystic fibrosis. And the, it's the typical kind of polar opposites. One is the very misunderstood sister that everybody hates. The other one is very popular and bright and breezy and likes dresses and stuff like that. Yeah. And normally they hate each other and like each other at the end, but in this film, they actually got on very well and the, the little sister is quite protective of the embarrassing older sister. Yes. You know, most films she would be like, oh God, you're such a freak. But she's not really like that. She's quite protective of her sister. Mm-hmm. And her sister is very fond of her as well. And the upshot of it is at the end... She knocks out the wee sister, she knocks out this neighbour girl and does a lung transplant. Yeah. With the same effect that you or I would have if we tried to do a lung transplant. Um, But it's the bit when the mother comes in at the end. Yeah. You see her standing there and the girl, she just lost the plot completely. Um, You know, I've been practising my sutures, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then she almost kind of realises it went wrong and they're kind of screaming and hugging each other. Yeah. The mother at the end lets out just this blood curdling scream. It's harrowing. It really is. It stays with you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was. It was a strange, strange film that just it kept me off balance and kind of edgy the whole time. Yeah. Not in a way that I enjoyed. Like the Poughkeepsie tapes, I was on edge the whole fucking time. Yeah. Very uncomfortable, very freaked out, very scared, but I did enjoy it. It, it kicked my ass in terms of as V horror, yeah. but I did enjoy the Poughkeepsie tapes in a weird way. This, I just didn't. I, I don't know. Ugliest main character I've ever seen in a film in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll give the makeup they're due because she's probably a very pretty girl. That, yeah, yeah, know? she is actually. Like, you see, when you, she dowdy looking in that film. When you see her in her fantasies, uh, whenever she has a fantasy yeah, of blood, uh-huh, she's yeah. stunning. Yeah. Um, but then you obviously see her; she's pasty and you know, all the rest. Uh, that, there you go. So you, you're more uh, you're more in tune with what Graham said, and because Graham Graham's big gripe with the film is that he doesn't necessarily think that what happens in it isn't interesting. He just thinks it doesn't really it just drags its feet. And he just yeah. said that he thought it was very boring. What I like about it is the fact that it is so unsettling. I like the fact that you don't really know for the whole film up until the end even though it hints all the way through the film that you know she wants she's obsessed with blood she wants to be a surgeon why does she want to be a surgeon because her sisters know well Mm. um all the way through that and you know that that ending's coming you know there's no way that film is finishing without that end i mean i i knew i knew half an hour into the film i had an idea it was go and when it when it hits i mean even being prepared for it when it hit me I was floored. I mean, I just like honestly, I I just I remember I remember watching it in my bed at like two in the morning, um, 
um, because Devour God had less insomnia. <laughs> yeah, because Devour had talked about it, and they they'd raved about this film, and I was right. like, oh, I'm going to check this out. There was two films I'd raved about that year. Um, one was Excision, and the other one is The Woman, which will be required watching for you somewhere <laughs> down the line. Um, both have uh, you know the central characters are female. Um, totally different films though, uh, and I remember watching it, and I just I. I when that film finished, I was just, I, I was completely deflated. I did not know, and I, I remember switching, I'd watched it on my pad, I remember putting my pad to the side and sitting, being awake for about half an hour, and that ending, just, that scream especially, yeah. just playing over and over, and I was just like, that it's, is... It's the very last scream, because yeah. obviously the mother screams when she sees what's happened. Yeah. The, the, the main do you know character... Who the, did you, do you know who the mother is? Did you pick up on that? She's, she's. I've definitely seen her and stuff. I couldn't tell right, you what it is. She's Tracy Lords, the former porn star that married the older guy who died. So she is, and right. she was in Zach and Miri make a porn. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Playing a porn star. Yeah. Basically playing herself. So uh, that's what it is. It's Zach and Miri that I've seen yeah. her in. She's phenomenal. She's absolutely she's very good in it. She's yeah. Phenomenal in that film. She's well, really she was quite good in Zach and Miri, but she's essentially playing a porn actress. Yeah, she's playing she herself. I <laughs> really, I. <laughs> but uh, God, I never. Well. I knew I'd seen her somewhere, but I just assumed it was some fucking TV show or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but obviously, I mean, she screams when she sees what's happening. The the daughter, the, the main character, the elder daughter, she has this kind of almost moment of clarity when she realises what she's done. Yeah, and She kind of screams, in. and then they kind of grab each other, they're holding each other, and they're kind of screaming, but then the mother just kicks it up a notch, and it just, it's like you say, it just goes right fucking through you, mm-hmm. and then it's the credits. Yeah, you know, like that. Oh, that was fucking unpleasant. Just that one scream. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, the other thing I quite like about the film is, like I say, all the signs are there throughout the film, and the mother, and the teacher, and you know everyone that's involved, with her, the father, they all kind of pass her off as just being an awkward teenager, yeah. and they don't really. None of them delve far enough <clears throat> into what the problem is. Um, mm-hmm. Memory mm-hmm. serves. Does she not go and see a psychologist? Is that not? Is that... Yeah, one of the, she they send her to see a minister. <laughs> Yes. Because they're too skint to send her to a psychiatrist. Yeah. And he's totally fucking out of his depth and she just pours scorn on him. But they do send her to see uh, a proper psychiatrist. I'm trying to think, though, I don't know if she actually goes. Yeah, I, I was trying to think. I, I, think... I, I don't think she does. I think yeah. they basically say, you know, listen, we're going to break the bank and send you to a psychiatrist. Because yeah. she's just been expelled. Yes. From school, and she says, "Well, dip into him. Feel free to dip into my college fund to pay for it, kind of thing." You know, that's right. But I don't think I think that then essentially leads into the mother going out. She drugs the father, yes. and then she 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 kidnaps the two, the sister and the, the other girl, kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I don't think she actually goes to see yeah. the psychiatrist. Yeah, because but her parents never chase up. That's the thing. The the, the parents never push for. The parents just don't have an interest, and that I think that's the thing. I think that's why the mother lets out that harrowing scream at the end because all comes my, my interpretation is it all comes back the the full reality the whole situation that she's just not she's not taking interest she's she's tried to instead of trying to see what the problem with her daughter is and steer her in the correct direction throughout the film she just thinks it's some sort of weird phase that she's in and if she just dresses like a girl and acts like an ordinary girl everything will be all right and yeah. she misses all the, the, the kind of subtext of what, what's wrong with the character, what's fundamentally wrong with the character, is that there's just a wire not right there. That she mm-hmm. thinks, you know, I, I, I'll be a, I like blood, I'll be a surgeon, I'll fix my sister. Um, yeah. 
No, that, no, that's quite interesting. I'm quite glad that you checked out, actually. Yeah, I, I'm glad I watched it. Um, I had a very different idea. But it's kind of like what I was saying about Videodrome. I had a very different idea of what Videodrome was going to be like. And, yeah. I'm quite bad for this. I get this preconceived notion in my head. And I'm quite sure there's a lot of films I've not watched because I think I won't like them. Yeah, I do, do, I do I'm something. bad for that with music as well. I, I, I do the same. certain bands. I, I've, uh, I was... Um, I, I, We'll just finish. We'll just finish up here, actually. But uh, I, um, I've deliberately kind of set myself. We know this from the the rock and roll stuff we do. I've deliberately set myself the task of trying to push myself out with my comfort zones. Yeah. So musically, especially. But I decided that this year I'm going to try and see as many horror releases at the cinema, regardless what. I think of the film, so I went to see that Devil's Due, and I've obviously reviewed it on the previous one. Yeah, I would never I go and I would never go and see a film like that generally, and I wrote it off as you know it was going to be the worst film ever, and it wasn't the worst film ever. I don't necessarily think it's a particularly good film, but yeah. it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, it's funny because I was actually I was reading your review of the film and Rock and Roll Reviews just today or yesterday, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I had seen a trailer for it, and it kind of it piqued my interest. Well, like, oh, I fancy that. That looks like it. But it's like you saying your thing, it probably will appeal to me. Yeah. And, and folk like me that maybe seen a couple of horror films, but they're novices in the genre. Yes. Whereas people like yourself that are immersed in it, it was every kind of cliche that you'd ever seen yeah. in, a, in a horror thing. You know, so I, I was quite keen to actually go and see it. I think I probably will make a point of watching it at some point because I think I'll probably enjoy it a lot more than you did. I, th- I think I think you should... T- I, think, I mean, the film is not without merit. I, I think there are certain yeah. things in it that are... That are interesting. Um, my my biggest gripe was it uh, with it, um, and it's not a criticism on on film footage in general, because uh, I do believe there are good film footage films out there. Wreck being like one of the premier yeah, yeah, ones, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. and we've we've just we've just mentioned Troll Hunters, another one which is yep. like at the top of the tree. Um, I just think that the addition of that film footage element in there is pointless. I just don't get it. I would much rather have seen the film being played just like a film. film. Yeah. yeah, I go into quite a lot of detail about it on the next Rock and Wheels podcast. I go, um, it's not, it's non-spoiled, but if you get a chance to listen to that, you'll see exactly. I kind of elaborate on more detail of the stuff that I put in my review as to exactly why I don't think the found footage works in it. Mm. Um, and and you, you will, if you get a chance to watch it, certainly we should maybe discuss that film. Further down the line, if you get a, it, will definitely appear on Netflix. So yeah, definitely. Um, if you get a chance to watch it, we should definitely chat about it. Totally. Well, thank you very much, Baz, for a uh, always on. a pleasure, big man. And uh, the next, like I say, the next one, Baz v Horror Five, is going to be a tough one for you, my friend. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah keep it, keep checking the page to see how nasty nasty um, our listeners get but um, yeah I'm going to jump out just now uh, and I'm going to come back to finish the show right after this break see ya you're listening to the podcast And I'm back, and that was the podcast Under the Stairs, episode number 15, where the Baz tackled on Baz v Horror for the body horror film Videodrome. And he seemed to really like it, guys, so that was a a good choice. Thanks very much for everyone who took the time to vote on that that choice on the Facebook page. Um, I can announce that Baz will be tackling his next subgenre in just over a fortnight's time. And like I said at the start of the podcast, we are changing things up just a little bit. So what will happen is um, 
I can tell you right now, the subgenre is the new wave of French extremism. So, yep, that's that's uh, that's going to be a doozy for Baz, um, and I'm sure that I'm sure you're going to be gentle with him and pick all the the really nice films, not go for any of those really graphic, full on horror films that that particular subgenre is known for. So what will happen is, tonight when I post this podcast, I will post on our Facebook page for suggestions of films within that genre. You guys will then put your suggestions in the comments box after a week, which is a week today. We will then start a week's poll where you all get to vote on those films and the one with the most votes will be the next film that Baz will take on in Baz v Horror episode number 5. So let's close this podcast out. Obviously, this one's been a slightly shorter podcast than usual and a slightly more somber one um, in wake of the news that uh, my main man, the, the ghoulish Graham Humphrey, um, is, is no longer podcasting with me. He will be back, like I say, in the future in some sort of guest capacity and um, I wish him, like I said at the start, all the best and I hope that uh, he ends up getting to Canada and getting to, to experience some life out with Glasgow which um, is doing his tits in at the moment. So, uh, yeah, mad love for him. And remember, guys, leave leave some nice positive messages for Graham on the Facebook page. The next podcast, episode number 16, I can already announce, will have a special guest host, no stranger to the podcast under the stairs, the irreplaceable, ah, I could say that, irreplaceable, Jamie Jenkins will be joining me. And we will be discussing uh, the works of um, American director Jim Mickle. So we will be looking at Mulberry Street, Stakeland, and his remake, which came out last year, We Are What We Are. So we're going to look at those three films and just kind of dissect his work. I think he's one of the more interesting directors that have come out on kind of the indie scene of late. And um, he's got a film coming out this year, uh, which will star Michael C. Hall from Dexter, which I'm really looking forward to, um, so we're going to talk about his films, so that should be a lot of fun, um, so I'm going to get out here anyway and let you guys get back to whatever it was you were doing before you started listening to this podcast, um, obviously I do shout outs at the end of this podcast, always do shout outs, mad love to Gary Hill, that man is uh, a fucking gent, he's really 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 nice guy, and if you've not checked out Sausage Fest Reviews and Cinema Beef Podcasts, then there's no better time. He's also on the League of Extraordinary podcast, which the podcast under the stairs is featured on. Um, if we're speaking about the League, then we obviously have to mention uh, Devour the podcast. So that's uh, David, Jamie and Bo. And those guys are all doing other things at the moment as well. So David appeared on the me- the most recent episode of the Midnight Horror Show uh, with uh, Danny and Mark and Dr. Dark. Um Bo obviously is on Graveshift Radio, uh, which is Ryan, Bo and John. And I think David appeared on that this week as well, talking about Hellraiser. I don't think he was overly enamoured. Jamie Jenkins is on Evil Episodes, which is Mike, Corey and Jamie. Um, They've just started back up after Christmas, so be sure to check them out if you like your horror television. She's also on The Skeleton Crew uh, with um, Dan and Alex. And those guys are like one of my favourite podcasts out there. Gillen Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast. So you should check those guys out. Um, fellow Scots, and they always kill it. And the, the podcast on Haunted Hill, which is uh, Dan and Gav, uh, who are really, really nice guys. And their podcast is becoming one of my favourites at the moment. Really, really entertaining. 
So check those guys out as well. All the guys in the league you should be checking out. And Banana Laser are, are doing their Saw retrospective, which is a lot of fun. And Terror Dome are doing their Friday the 13th retrospective. So there's so much horror podcasting out there that you can be listening to until the next episode of Teapots drops in your box. So... All that's left to say is thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Um, I hope that as many listeners stay. Uh, if you were if you were only listening to it for Graham, then I'm sorry I've kind of let you down a wee bit. But I hope you all continue listening to this podcast. And um, the Facebook page has been brilliant at the moment. Uh, really, really animated, and we have had a fair few extra people on our page. So I, I don't know where that's come from. Uh, I think some of them have come over since my guest appearance on the Devour the Podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, I just want to take a little bit of time and uh, do some shout-outs to some new members on the podcast. So, uh, Spencer Mosling has recently joined us. Uh, there was a very funny impression of him on the last Devour the Podcast. Bo, you're a cruel man, sir. So you are. A very, very cruel man. Um, surprised to have any listeners at all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Spencer, welcome to the group. Um, I hope you enjoy the podcast. I hope you understand what I'm actually saying. I know that uh, sometimes, you know, uh, the the whole accent thing throws all Americans off, but I don't know. Um, Josh Stewart's recently joined. Thank you for joining the podcast page, Josh. Um, we have Nisu Shah. Um, once again, thank you for joining, and Stuart McCluggage, who works with my wife, uh, welcome to our page, Stuart. So, I, I don't think there's much more else I want to say uh, other than thanks very much for listening, guys, and uh, our next podcast will be dropping very, very soon. Until then, take care of yourself, and I will speak to you then. Bye. Bye. <laughs>